KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. Good morning, Petaluma. You are listening to Talking with Rabbi Ted on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. This is Rabbi Ted Feldman, the Rabbi of B'nai Israel Jewish Center here in Petaluma, the chair of the Petaluma Community Relations Council, back for this segment of our program. It's wonderful to welcome to the studio today Marie McCusker, who is the executive director of the downtown Petaluma Downtown Association and Petaluma Visitors Program. So welcome to the studio. Good morning, Rabbi Ted. How are you? Okay. Uh, that's a Bronx accent I hear from you? Yes, it, well, it's actually a Texan accent. Oh, it's a Texan yes. accent, yes. No, I'm just putting you like I'm from the UK. Uh, we understand. <laughs> uh, we, won't even, we won't deal with UK politics. No, right that's now. not a good place to go right now. Especially this week, right? Yes. Well, every week lately. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, politics anywhere. But you've been in Petaluma for quite a while. I came back to the United States in uh, 2000 and uh-huh. chose Petaluma as my home uh, uh-huh. very quickly. Uh-huh. And I uh, love it. It was actually, I didn't have anyone I knew here. I had two children. I was married. And I uh, was going to be working in the city and chose Petaluma. It just seemed like it had a lot of soul and just seemed like a good place for us to settle. Wow. Just out of, uh, you were... I just got in a car with two children and a map. And we were going to originally live in Sonoma. And I didn't see that as a place that that was suitable to raise my kids and uh, came to Petaluma and drove around and did some internet research and found somewhere to rent for a little while and um, commuted and just left and in love with the place and then bought a home. That was wow. in 2000. Wow. Yeah. yeah, and uh, buying a home and renting was probably a little cheaper at that point. <laughs> well, slightly, slightly, <laughs> yes. It's not being cheap anymore. But, yeah, um, yeah. Cheap I'm glad anymore. we did buy at that time because they wouldn't be able to be possible now. Yeah, it's really a challenge these days. So how long have you been with the uh, Downtown Association? I started um, in 2004. Oh, okay. So yeah. you've uh, seen lots of changes. I have, yes. I had uh, started out with a little office in the Petaluma Mill, which was lovely, right downtown. And... Um, Yes, we've evolved as an organization exponentially, but you know, we've had a great board of directors and amazing community support, so um, it's a good place to be. Yeah, I think I had interfaced with you. I lost track of years here, probably seven, eight, nine years ago at different points. Mm-hmm. So it's great to have you come here today and try to catch up a little bit about what's happening, some of the good things and, and some of the challenges. Mm-hmm that Petaluma is facing at this point. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, so t- tell me a little bit about the Downtown Association and the Visitors Program. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, again, I've been with them for over 14, maybe almost 15 years now, but um, it's it's a grassroots organization that was put together by merchants in the early 80s. And um, again, it was about trying to support the downtown merchants in people coming to shop, marketing the downtown, and as really as the central retail um, center for Petaluma. So um, in 2000, um, a business improvement district was created, and that was really to raise some funds to pick up where the city couldn't um, do some of the beautification and some of the marketing. So um, we've been running that since, um, I've been running that since 2004, and that money is not big, it's, it's a small amount of money, but it's 
It uh, helps put up the banners for Christmas, helps market the Christmas events, Halloween, sidewalk sales, um, various merchant-led events. And the objective of that is to bring attention to shopping downtown um, and also help with security issues, defensive property um, issues. So it only raises around $60,000 nowadays. So all of the funding for the downtown association comes from assessments to the business owners. No, no, that public? doesn't. No, that How that's a that? fund. That's a fund that we manage. Oh, we, it doesn't manage. pay okay. for the downtown association. Right. We are self-financing through membership and events. So, and then we also run a contract with the city of Petaluma, which is the visitors program, um, and that actually ends at the end of June, and we've now created a new. A self-assessment district, which is the Petaluma Lodging, um, the Petaluma Tourism Improvement District, and we created a new 501c6, which is called the Petaluma Lodging Association, which is lodging and managing their own tourism, which is a 10% tax, which has been created, you know, 10% TOT tax uh, when you stay in a hotel. It's part of that assessment. 2% is also collected to um, go towards Sonoma County Tourism, which goes to the county. And now um, the city wanted to raise another 2%, and a lodging said, well, we should be self-assessing. So we created that new association that collects that 2%, and any funding that came to the visitors program from the original collection of monies goes back to the city. And we also now will give 20% back to the city. So it's a win-win all around. We are able to market Petaluma uh, more effectively because when we took over the program in 2009, the program had been shut down for a year. They were funded to the tune of 360000 The city took it back in hard times. We came back on as the downtown association and took it over for 140000 leveraging the Petaluma Downtown Association, which because we were a marketing and promotions organization. So it worked, and when it, we went from an assessment collection of 960000 we're at $3.5 million now, mm -hmm. which is good because it helps pay tourism um, improvement district funds and TOT taxes, help pay for our fire and police. So it's, it's all good stuff, yeah. That is great. So, uh, I saw the article in the Argus today was talking about the, uh, the taxes on the lodging in town and mm -hmm. how it's helped to affect the budget. And right. uh, It's a complicated uh, system of funding. And I assume the lodging is all over Petaluma, not just the core. No, it's, it's citywide. It's, it's citywide. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. And that, that helps. That certainly helps a lot. I would suspect that downtown businesses have gone through different waves of crises over the generations in mm -hmm. Petaluma. Uh, you know, what 101 used to come straight through downtown, and that would have been a source of traffic and people coming through. And then all of a sudden, 101 moved to the superhighway over there mm -hmm. and took all that traffic away. And so and that, I think that was in the 80s, back in the 80s or 60s, when 101 came through? 54 was in the second generation. Oh, 54, okay. So before, before my time. Yeah, before my time, too. <laughs> but I can imagine what that would have done to the downtown and the, uh, the community. And so and a few e number of years ago, before as the Target shopping center was in uh, planning stages, there were all kinds of fears about the impact of mm -hmm. that on the downtown businesses. And what's that experience been like over these years? Um, well, yes, obviously, you know, change and uh, competition always brings fear. Um, you know, really, that project was um, agreed so much further in, in the past than we ever had any time to be party to. So 
um, you know, it sat vacant for a long time. They built the new school, you know, on the other side of town. And then when, um, we had a number of councils during that time. When a developer comes on and bought the property 10, 12, 15 years beforehand, it's very hard to dictate to them what they should be doing. So there's no control from the city side of what would go in there. And obviously there was fears that it would cannibalize all the businesses downtown. But I think actually um, most of that revenue was leaving town anyway and going to Roanoke Park and Novato because they're kind of similar stores. So, re- so if you were shopping in them stores, you're going to stay more local. And then you probably go downtown. You've got, you know, it's more of a drive downtown. So I remember when that project was going in, we worked with them on 15 recommendations of how they could make this um, not such a hard issue for downtown. And that was about signage and things like that. And they worked with us. Because you can see a lot of the signage they created around there points to historic downtown. Um, I think our sales tax is higher downtown than it's ever been. Obviously, retail people, you know, they invest their lives and their livelihoods into their businesses. And sometimes they, you know, if they're going to fail, it's in two years often. So there's going to always be an element of that. And I think there's always been an element of that. I think the nature of our downtown has changed a little bit because we're quite an entertainment district too. We have, you know, lots of great restaurants and bars and um, and lots of spas and lots of hair salons. We don't have zoning that controls how many of any kind of business goes in. So, uh, and that's a dangerous place to go because people don't like, you know, property, property owners don't like being told what to do with their businesses. <coughs> and businesses don't want to be told that, you know, we're saturated. I think at some point we may have to look at that, but that's a city council issue. And, um, you know, we do have parking issues. And that's a sign of success, really. I mean, anywhere that's got, there's nowhere to park. You know, sometimes you've got to walk in. If you park two blocks out, you'll, you'll get a parking space and you'll walk in. So we are working with those. They're all, we have committees that look at those types of things. And we're working very closely with the city on trying to mitigate some of those things and make it easier for people to park and shop downtown. Well, every time somebody comes to visit me from elsewhere, uh, they love downtown and they love the feeling of it mm-hmm. and uh, seeing people on the streets and the kinds of shops. Right. So it's a, it's a it's a great experience. It is. So how does the tourism part fit into this? Um, well, you know, the, the the jewel of really when you come to Petaluma, your downtown is, is your walkable area, it's your historic area, you know, your ironfront buildings, your restaurants, your um, great you know boutiques and uh, services. And, um, you know, aligning the Downtown Association and the tourism program just seemed like a, a natural because they needed someone to run it. Um, but obviously our job is to, to market and promote all of the wonderful businesses here because unless we talk about who's doing these amazing things, we don't have a story. So it's really all about storytelling. We have amazing citywide services. We have Larganitas, that's a huge draw. We have Adobe State Park. We have the agro-tourism that we promote here, which is, you know, we're on beautiful agricultural surroundings. So you can go to, you know, farms and ranches. You can go taste cheese. You can buy meats at Terra Firma. You can go to the Lavender Bee Farm. Um, you know, the, um, the Spring Farm. What's Green Spring. Green Spring Farm. Yes. You can go there and do your shopping, but we also take tours there. We bring in farm tours, familiarization tours from all over the world. And sometimes, you know, they... 
those people don't actually get to go do the agro-tours inside. So we actually, I think we have it all. Our location really speaks to everything that Sonoma County is great at, and it's the gateway. So when you stay in Petaluma, you, you're 15, 20 minutes from the coast. You can go and eat great cheeses. You can go out to farms and get natural products. But downtown, really, and citywide, we have everything that you need. Uh, we have the AVA. We have the, the Petaluma Gap. Um, and we're really kind of like Napa 20 years ago. We don't, we, know, we don't have lots of tasting rooms, but we have very high-end wines. You can make appointments to go to the weekends. Many of them are open now. So um, we have a lot going on here, and it's about how we tell that story responsibly and also make sure that our citizens aren't overly impacted, but uh, actually understand that tourism brings a lot of jobs. 23,000 jobs in Sonoma County are in tourism. It brings in $2 billion to Sonoma County in taxes. Um, that's a lot of money. That's a lot of money that assists us in actually having a great quality of life. And I think people chase the quality of life we have here by bringing their businesses. Stockholm, that lovely restaurant on Western, is a good example of that. They have a great restaurant in the city that's renowned called Playa. It's spelled differently. It's hard to pronounce. Um, but they also live here with their children. So they bought another business here called Stockholm on Western. And they've chosen to invest locally. So that's all great. It is all good. And, of course, you're, you're correct. There is impact. And yes. Uh, people are always complaining about traffic, mm -hmm. getting across town, how long it takes to get across town, and uh, the, the different uh, obstacles of moving around in Petaluma. Tourism, of course, is great for the community. I used to live in South Florida, right. and uh, winters in South Florida were the season mm -hmm. because everybody came from the Northeast and traffic, and we were always complaining to each other. And uh, we can't wait for them to go away. At the same time, realizing that their coming here meant a lot to our communities and to the tax base and to how we took care, take care of our communities, right. which is what we are experiencing here. We have some seasonal changes and some mm -hmm. in traffic, but it's going to be a challenge in the long run. I think the key, I mean, when we talk about tourism, actually really helps our retail community because tourists shop. You know, they, they average about $398 a day that they're spending in our community. So when, you know, our river needs dredging, we lose river tourism because those people park their boats, eat right there, go to the movies and spend money. So there's all those types of things can impact how, you know, the, the sales tax that comes back to the city and how well the, you know, the retail and food industry does here. But um, one of the major things that impact retail is the online shopping. You know, we have to be very aware that if we want a beautiful downtown and a walkable area that we can shop and we can do all the things we love doing, that we need to spend our monies locally. We need to spend Petaluma first, Sonoma County second, and then outside of their third, we need to make shopping locally the only choice. And whether you choose to go to Target and, and do that, that money doesn't necessarily come in locally. So many of us are very uh, aware of um, we love living here and we love the quality of life, but we all have a part to play in where we spend our money. So I always, you know, my first you know, thing I say to you, love it, spend your money locally, keep it, keep it vibrant. Well, yeah, that's, uh, you know, supporting local businesses is it important. Is. Uh, it's hard sometimes, though, when you actually go online. It's a very tempting, very tempting environment out there. 
Um, some people don't actually go out shopping anymore. Yeah, and that's a big battle for the businesses, local mm. businesses, to be fighting because uh, convenience, cost, exactly. etc. So and teach uh, your children. Teach the children because our children are very much online shoppers. Yeah, they are. That's they are. true. I yeah. wonder. Yeah, I wonder what the shopping will look like in 50 years in the world. But we won't even. We won't go there. We can't pick that we one out. Start speculating I just saw on, on TV this morning. Amazon's doing robots that come to your house. They drive to your house. Carlos, no one's driving it. A robot gets out and walks to your house. And then other ones that are drawn come. So I hope that never really materializes and happens. I know. It feels like science fiction, but we don't need people anymore. We don't need. In many ways, it's already happening in in many ways with that. So, so in in business models in a community, Mm -hmm. um, are there saturation points in terms of kinds of businesses and how many? uh, I remember a number of years ago, I was told that there were well over 350 places in Petaluma that sell alcohol. And uh, there are so many different you know, stores that are repetitive of the products. Mm-hmm. Um, is, uh, does the association, uh, you mentioned earlier that obviously when somebody leases a property, the, nobody's telling them what to do in there, obviously within right. legal bounds, of course. Mm-hmm. But how, does that, how would that work in a community? Is it just the free market economy and if we're oversaturated, Somebody's going to close, and that's just that the way it is. That seems to be the way it is. I mean, if you don't have zoning, for instance, you may have Theatre Square that is more of a, you know, a cam charge. They're managed by an organization. They will choose how many of the same thing goes in. You'll go to the Target Center. They will only have so many of uh, one thing of each different type of thing. When you have a downtown association, you have, you know, potentially 100 property owners. There's no... Um, there's no way of telling people what to do with their properties. Unless you have a zoning ordinance that's very clear and is updated and you engage your community as to how that will affect them, whether they're part of that, because you have to engage your community to do that. Nothing will change. So zoning will you know, restrict you if you're going to be at a bar or a restaurant and there's only so many licenses to go out there and then the, you know, the, the, fire, the police department and fire department depend vote whether that can happen or not. Um, we don't really have any control over that. Our job is to really promote the downtown and competition is competition. It's the American way, right? So um, we have just have to work with what's out there right now. We did a couple of years ago recommend that there may be some changes to zoning, but that didn't go down very well. So, um, okay, so I was just about to ask, is there any, uh, for lack of another word, political lobbying from the association to gain some uh, some regulation of the kinds of businesses that go in. There is regulation. There obviously is yes. regulation. But um, as we evolve and we change, um, how do you you know li- you know not become a total entertainment district where you've got no retail? You know there is regulation that you know you know you can't just have like lots of um, financial institutions and that every storefront is is a non-retail environment. But, um, you know, as you change as a community, those types of things have to be looked at. Whether they agree that they're okay or not, you just have to review them, and maybe we're at that point. Yeah, I was just thinking of, uh, of South Florida when I lived there, and uh, every corner had a bagel restaurant and a bank. Right. You know, that was, uh-huh. that was the reputation for exactly. the zoning, how zoning worked, and right. it was 
It was in many cases true. There were so many banks and so many bagel restaurants uh, uh, serving the senior population, that uh, the retired population. That I mean, our downtown is busy. It's it busy. Is busy. It's busy. It's busy. And so it's, it's something's working. Something is working. Something's working. How has the uh, how has this the train affected any? Your office is right next to the train there. You get to hear everyone coming yes. in. Yes. Well, thankfully, they took off the honking part. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, a little bit debilitating initially, but uh, it's brought a lot of... Uh, I'm surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised, actually, that it's brought a lot of people to the streets. It's bringing a lot of people to walk downtown at weekends, for evenings, for lunchtime, women coming in, meeting up, going out for the day. It's actually, we have monitored some of the downtown uh, retail businesses and uh, restaurants, and they are loving it, that it's really been beneficial to them. Pedalim is the most um, well-used, it's the most popular station on the mm. on the, the ride. So that's a good thing. That is a good I'm thing. looking forward to, you know, we're working with Smart right now, I'm looking at what that could look like when we finish the Larkspur part, which is in process right now. So in carless travel from the city. So many people domestically will choose to stay. I mean, a lot of our, our tourists are local, domestic. They are coming from Sacramento, the city for overnighters. And we want to encourage the carless travel as much as possible. Bring your bike. Our roads need some work on that direction. But the, once that part's done, we're hoping to see an influx from the city for, you know, a couple of days' stay from people from the city. Or people internationally that aren't going to drive, lots of Brits won't drive when they come here, is to option to take the ferry, the train, and come to Petaluma for a couple of days. So we're, we're going to be exploring that. And then what happens on the ground when you get here? What services can be developed? We've got two, you know, huge um, building sites right next to us that are going to be developed into housing for locals and services. So there's going to be a lot of changes coming in the next couple of years. So uh, was that, did I get the comment that many or most, I, I don't know which word mm -hmm. goes in there, of tourists are really local California tourists yes. as opposed to coming from Absolutely. other places? Only like 10 to 12% are international tourists. And what about other parts of the United States coming to... Oh, absolutely. Places? Now we've got seven flights into Santa Rosa. Right. That's really drawing lots of people from Dallas and Texas and Seattle. So that's a great draw. Um, but we do get, you know, we, we, we follow where people are from when they come in. We have over 17,000 walk-ins to the center a year. And we produce a guide, which is really beautiful, that anyone could pick up. And I, I would, I would uh, encourage local people to use the, down to, uh, the visitors program as a resource for themselves. I mean, many of us that live here don't really get out and enjoy all the wonderful things that surround us and all the great you know, experiences that you can. So pop in. If you've got friends and family coming, come and get some resources. Fill up our staff are always, and volunteers are always so happy to assist you. We have uh, five part-time staff and 14 volunteers that make it possible to run a seven-day-a-week center. So please pop in and come and say hi and utilize those services. And also, if you're planning a meeting or you're a business person that wants to put something on, we are totally there to assist you with you know, accessing you into services, uh, the right kind of meeting facilities, putting together bags. If you're having a wedding, we'll put together goodie bags for you from local businesses. We're totally there to help you make the most of um, all the things that Pedalima can offer you. 
And just to be clear for the listeners, where is your office located? We are at the historic train depot on the corner of Lakeville and Washington, mm-hmm. and the physical address is 210 Lakeville Street. Okay. And you can visit us at PetalumaDowntown.com or visit Petaluma.com. Okay, and uh, another just informational question that comes through my mind, which is, well, what's the connection between the association and the Chamber of Commerce? We and are. We're partners. We yes. work together on numerous projects. Um, we're different in our objectives. Um, the Chamber, I believe, is, is very much business to business, um, and they're there to support your business grow or... Uh, get in front of each other. The Downtown Association is much more uh, business to public, and that aligns itself with to the visitors program too, where we're here to tell the story. So we are much more a public relations and marketing organization, and we're also an event tourism organization as the Downtown Association because we put on the Bermanage Day, the antique fairs, the um, art and garden on the 14th of July. And those events collectively bring over 100,000 people to town and fill the hotels. So we're always looking at maximizing business and people on the streets and heads in beds. That's our objective. Okay. And I noticed, of course, that one of the uh, plagues of the modern era is graffiti around the Mm -hmm. world. Is the association and the businesses working together on that? We have an amazing person in the the community called uh, Ed Sarah, Graffiti Ed. An incredible human being, and him and I are attached at the hip on cell phones. Yeah. I drive around, take pictures, I send them to Ed. We also run a community service program where we have young people that come in to do their hours, and I, Ed and I work together on painting that graffiti out, and I also all, um, help buy the paint, do the paint over. So the BID supports um, graffiti cleanup too. Wow, so lots of things seem to be going on. Yes, busy. You must be busy. Busy, busy. You must be busy, and uh, I'm sure it's, uh, in some of it's complicated work in terms of human relations and governmental relations and organizational. Yes. So any, any last comments? Just want to say thank you to Petaluma for um, being so out there with us on the Better and Eggs Day and for the huge amount of community support and volunteerism. We are exceptional. Our community is exceptional, and our engagement is exceptional, so thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yeah, I think we are lucky as a, a community. Totally. And, uh, every time I walk downtown, I say, wow, I live here. You know, this, <laughs> is, uh, this is my community, and it feels good to be there. And so yeah. thank you for all the work you do on behalf of our community. Thank during, you for having me. Uh, sure. During our second segment today, we're going to welcome Peggy Flynn, who's the new city manager uh, for Petaluma and have an opportunity to learn from her what's on the books for the future of our community. We'll see you after our break. You're listening to Talking with Rabbi Ted at KPCALP, Petaluma, California.
Welcome back to the second segment of Talking with Rabbi Ted here on KPCA LP, Petaluma, California. On this uh, actually beautiful spring day here, we have some sunshine. It's good to have it. And I want to welcome to our studio for this uh, segment Peggy Flynn, who is the new city manager of our great city. Welcome. Thank you. How long have you been here? Um, Oh, at the job. Uh, Week 13. Week and I'm not 13. counting. Week 13, <laughs> but you're not counting, yeah? Do you, are you have some methodology, like you put a new safety pin on a chain to count the number of weeks you're here and Kind all of, that? sort of, whereas we fill potholes. I mean, that's my... By potholes, yes. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. That's a good way. May you be here many weeks to fill those Yes, absolutely. Many years, yes. Many years to do that. You live in Petaluma, right? I do. I live right outside of city limits. Um, my husband and I have a, a small ranch, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, he's been a lifelong uh, Petaluma resident. Wow. And how long have you lived up here? Um, about 10 years. Wow. Okay. So you get to watch this community. No matter so what you. So what were you doing before you found the truth here? Driving outside <laughs> of the community, right? Um, uh, I, I was the assistant city manager for the city of Nevada uh-huh. for seven years. For seven years. Okay. Long commute through the Nevada yeah. Narrows. So how... How did you get into this form of public service? Tell us a little bit about your journey. I think it's always important for people to know our leadership and what it means to them to be in the positions they are. Absolutely. Um, I first got my love for public sector work um, as an intern uh, for the San Jose Redevelopment Agency. I was attending San Jose State University. 
and uh, my local politics professor said, I've got an internship for you. And uh, the California's largest redevelopment agency, and uh, they actually created a position for me after my internship. I was their first communications director, and uh, just got a real um, spark and joy out of serving the public. Um, my background was journalism. I was a journalism student, and uh, realized that redevelopment was doing amazing things, but we weren't engaging the public. So that was my uh, passion, and it's been that way for 25 years. Wow, and here you are. So you come uh, after a city manager who's, I think John was here for 10 years. That's right. Right, yep. for 10 years. Big shoes to fill. Big shoes <laughs> to fill after all of that yeah. time. And, um, yeah, so what, what's that transition been like for you? It's been a joy. Um, it's my community. So it's uh, um, every day I wake up and I'm super excited about the day because it's so diverse. Uh, we have the most amazing community. Um, we have a wonderful council members and um, an incredibly dedicated and professional staff. And uh, so every day is just a joy, um, loving to tackle tackle the big issues, tackle the issues that are important to our community, and uh, um, just every day is uh, a new day, and, um, and, and trying to fix um, the things that um, need to be fixed, and trying to keep uh, moving along the things that are, that are important to the community. I was just thinking about those two things, because often when somebody comes in to fill a position where somebody's been there a long time, you either blame the person before, <laughs> not in this profession, <laughs> for, for the things that didn't get done, and hopefully spend a lot of time uh, accepting and celebrating the good things that you've been given uh, as you move, move forward in this position. Oh. You know, I wonder what the note was that John may have left you in the drawer <laughs> on his last day in the office. I think it was good luck. Uh, yeah, it was good luck. No, John left uh, the city in very uh, good shape, and I've thanked him profusely um, many times. Um, he was an excellent city manager and got us through some really tough times. Um, yeah, our council uh, did as well, and so this is, um, and we continue continue that legacy, and hopefully um, even with bigger and better things to come. Mm. So what's the 13, you know, I, I assume that you've spent a lot of time listening in the past uh, 13 weeks. Correct. Uh, and what have you heard? What are the things you're hearing? Just, um, you know, it's interesting being outside of the community for the last seven years and how every city is jostling to be like Petaluma. Um, so to come to Petaluma and be behind the scenes and... Um, you know, folks know how special it is here. And uh, so whether I hear from the residents or businesses, staff, we have so many staff that live and work in Petaluma, which is very unique. Um, that's not very typical of cities in this area um, because Petaluma still has that diversity of housing here. And um, it's just a great place. So, you know, um, folks just want to, it's kind of demystifying city government. Um, you know, folks want to hear how decisions are made. Um, what projects are coming up, how they can get involved, um, how they can, you know, we had a goal setting, I think it was on my sixth week here, and we had a, a beautiful goal setting um, at the Luke Casey Community Center, and uh, we had about 150 people come out, uh, and about 650 people who um, either couldn't make it or still wanted to fill out the survey, they filled out the survey, um, and, uh, you know, what was important, um, good roads, 
um, public safety, um, parks that are maintained, um, you know, everything that makes our quality of life here so amazing here in Petaluma. And so how do we continue it and how do we invest in the future? So I've been on my listening tour now 13 weeks and that won't stop uh, for as long as, as uh, the city will have me. Yeah, and of course, uh, what's what's on that list to get done? What's on your to-do list? Oh my goodness! I know oh, it's a long geez, one, right? So yeah. it's dredging and the uh, Rainier yeah, well, connector. Is there, some, and is there something <laughs> new under dredging that the Corps of Engineers may do something? So we did get um, we got about six hundred thousand dollars for pre-planning uh, to prepare for um, the Corps didn't have it in their work plan for twenty nineteen. We're hoping for twenty twenty. But we're also working on some other options uh, for uh, potential emergency dredging beforehand. So stay tuned. Don't have all those details yet, but we're working on it. Right. And that's also connected to flood issues and all kinds of things. Flood it's issues. Not just with the boats coming up. I mean, Marie, our previous guest, was from the business point of view, saw the river as a great source of tourism, tourism. and people coming right. in. But it's also a practical piece in terms of flooding and what controls and stuff absolutely like that. Yeah. absolutely it's kind of uh, kind of the, the the veins of our of our city right, so. right. Yeah, so you were going down that list uh, uh, yeah dredging uh, Rainier Rainier's uh, undercrossing is uh, going to start this summer so people are actually going to see you know, that's been 50 years in the Whoa. making so um, <laughs> uh, Caltrans going to start that work on the undercrossing this summer Um you know, we are going to have a housing workshop in July on on uh, just our housing situation here and what what are the creative solutions that the city can put into effect to make sure that there's housing available for everyone. Um, so that'll be that's a that's a major um, project, and uh, we also have Sonoma Mountain Parkway that'll be paved. Uh, this season, and we have money in the budget for Maria Drive, which has been um, definitely a um, underserved uh, street in our city. Yeah, I saw the article in this morning's Argus Courier. Was that a was beautiful a article, or great, what? Great yep. review of the budget stuff. Absolutely, and, uh, spot um, on. It, uh, it looks good. Uh, yeah, the public safety pieces are important. I mean, all of it's important. Absolutely. In some ways. Sometimes very difficult to prioritize. You know, when you have X dollars, and how do you cut up the pie, and is it sufficient to cut it up into little pieces when there's little impact from little pieces? Sure. It's a small incremental, but we've been really fortunate to have outside funding sources such as Measure M for our parks, SB1, the gas tax for our streets. Um, so, and our staff is, you know, fastidious in trying to secure grants. So we, we are always trying to leverage that, the public's money. Okay, and the big, I guess among the big questions now is the sales tax proposal. Any thoughts from you on that? So we, um, you know, council is, like I said, we're on this listening tour. What is important to the um, to our residents? Um, what are those priorities? And this fall, we're going to do um, a series of workshops on our fiscal sustainability and what that looks like. So based on the community's needs and priorities and uh, going through how the city is funded, not only how are we funded, um, what our situation is right now, how we got into that situation, um, you know, historically what has happened over the years, and what are our plans for the future, we need to make those plans with the community. So I don't think that we have settled on a mechanism um, to solve that. 
uh, because we still need to talk to 62,000 residents and businesses and uh, folks that come into our community, what's important at to what level we want to invest in infrastructure um, staffing because we're in the people business, right? Uh, we don't make widgets, so we're in the people business, so there are people behind those services. Um, and, you know, how do we keep this city, uh, you know, flourishing into the future? When you say staffing, it's interesting because some people would compare, oh, there are too many people working, right? And why do we have so many people doing this and that? I remember when I was at a nonprofit, I, I had a donor who called me. He says, I want to give you $5,000, but this money is only to go to pay staff. And I wow. said, wow, right. Wow. <laughs> it was such an unusual, wow. Usually I get, I don't want this to go to staff. Exactly. I want it to go to help people. Right. And you don't have that. You can't You can't initiate those projects. I mean, you've got people yeah. that are out there, um, our public safety, uh, our firefighters, our public works staff. I mean, even our finance. And, you know, there's there's people behind all of those services. So every time you go to the city, it's good to know. But, um, you know, we got a small but mighty staff. We have a small but mighty staff. So, um, of course, housing is a big issue for Absolutely. the community. And I know that the city is constantly trying to figure out, and you used the word sustainability uh, a few minutes ago, and um, the Petaluma Community Relations Council is looking to a fall series uh, on what we started labeling as affordability in Petaluma. What is it going to take to make it a livable community? And we are putting the word sustainability in there. We're still massaging the title uh, of the endeavor, but sustainability is a really important piece of that. Yes. So it's sustainability from the environmental point of view, and it's sustainability from the financial point of view, right. infrastructure, all the things that you're talking about. Right. Yeah. What's I know the city passed the resolution recently about the climate change Correct. emergency, and what was that process like? Is was it really adopted well uh, by the city council? Did they see that as really important, or is it giving just uh, lip service to to this notion? Oh gosh, no. Um, you know, our council recognizes um, climate actions. Um, you know, should be first and foremost. You know, as we. You mentioned sustainability. Um, that's kind of been central um, to our theme, even at the goals workshop. Everything's sustainable. You just mentioned organizational, um, organizationally, fiscally, and and for our environment. And so, council, um, you know, passed that resolution. But in every decision that we make, whether it's from planning commission to the council to um, to our other committees and commissions and boards, um, it's it's been about. How are we taking care of our environment? Um, you know, alternative electricity, um, uh, building requirements, um, park lands, um, just, you know, uh, energy sources. And so the city really wants to lead on that. I mean, we have a community that embraces that, and right. we could not be in a So definitely not lip service. Um, you heard from our mayor. I think she was quoted in the Argus saying, mm -hmm. this is, you know, it's, there's action behind those words. And uh, so... Councils definitely put that as a priority for us. You mean the climate is changing? Do you think so? <laughs> I think so. Might yeah. just a little bit. Just a little bit here. Yeah, it's uh, it's really an important. Uh, it is an important piece, and it's it's hard to um, change a culture around right. 
how we use our materials, etc. And it's, it's taken generations already to begin thinking about it more seriously and hopefully focusing to uh, make significant change in that And area. lead by example. Um, uh, and that's where the city can, I think, be, um, be leaders and uh, model for the community and, and, and provide us provide us those um, ways of being able to um, make change on a local level. It's pretty powerful. Yeah, and it's also, my, my little one came home and uh, we went to, and she got a drink and she took off the straw and she said, it's paper, it's not Yay. plastic. <laughs> you know, so I said, yes, yes, the culture will change. We, you know? Yeah, we have, uh, we are going to be doing a polystyrene um a ban, a single-use plastic ban here in, in a few months, and we're going to be doing a lot of outreach. So we're super excited because that's that's some of the basic things, some of the foundational things that we can do. So we're, we're excited about that. Mm-hmm. So um, what would you like the community to know about how they can be helpful to you in your job and in the city's job of Making this a better place. Be engaged. This is uh, this is your city. Get into it, right? Uh-huh. So um, we are going to commit this next year. We're going to really focus on our uh, community engagement. Um, that's going to kick off with our um, uh, rehab of our website. Our website is woefully inadequate and um, allowing people to get information because we got to meet people where they are. Not everybody can come to a council meeting at 645 on a Monday. Um, people have commitments. They have family. Um, but we want to know, council wants to hear from them. So finding many different ways of, of, of allowing, you know, input. So if somebody can't be at a council meeting, um, that they have a survey tool online to be able to weigh in on important things. Um, and also getting information, you know, what what is what's happening at the city, demystifying decision-making and letting folks know ahead of time what's, um, what council is going to be considering and then reporting directly thereafter what happened at those council meetings. We've been so fortunate to have media partners um, like PCA and uh, the Argus um, that, you know, the city needs to be the first place for city information. And so we're going to be really focused on doing that. Um, but we want people to be at the table um, because it's their city. And uh, we can make the best decisions knowing what folks want and how they feel about things. Yeah, we just had a membership meeting here at PCA, and we were talking about uh, Don Lewis, our uh, executive director, brought up the connection with the city and the importance of using not only for emergency communications, but also as a way of getting messages out to the community. And so I would invite you to say, if there are things that you uh, want to help the community understand, either through you or somebody else on your staff, and want to have them sit in this chair and have a discussion here, then I'm open to that. And What a great think, resource you I are, Rabbi Ted. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, uh, it's an important opportunity for communication between the government because uh, in spite of the fact of how beautiful our city is and uh, all the good things that happen here, uh, there are people who are leery of government. Absolutely. There's always this um, concern about is the government overstepping its bounds? Sure. How are funds? Be- I mean, all the myriad of questions that come out of that. And I think if people communicate more about what the issues are, that it'll understand that the people sitting in government and the we people have much more in common there, than we have a lot more uh, in common about it. Uh, and yet, when you go to a council meeting, there will always be people who oppose, question, Absolutely. challenge, 
and those questions and challenges are also good for the for the discourse and for the yes. discourse to Absolutely. make sure they happen to make sure they happen so what are some of the things you may have uh, experienced in your prior position and positions uh, kinds that you can bring in here to Petaluma any innovative things that you could talk about programmatically or service oriented right um, well my background is as I mentioned you know in community engagement and economic development and um, and there's a lot of commonality between the two because you're always talking about community character, right? So when you make um, decisions on development or policies, economic policies, um, does it reflect the character of the community? Um, because when, when you're in conflict with that, it's very obvious. Um, so it's always been about, you know, reaching people early and often and um, having those constant community character conversations. Um, it's not just what things are important, but what experiences are important. Um, and what I'm finding more so as things on the national level get so crazy, you know, crazy, and fe people feel um, isolated from their their national, um, the federal government, and to some extent, the state. They always they always come home, and um, and they want to be able to, ha you know, have an effect on how we make decisions, and they, and they want to be involved in their city. So I just believe that by providing just a myriad of ways that people will get involved, and because we do have people that want to be at the table here in Petaluma, um, extraordinary expertise. Um, it's just finding all those different ways, meeting people where they are, um, uh, communicating in all the different um, venues that we have. You know, some people like to read the paper. Other people like to be online. Um, and just making sure that we are out there constantly providing good information and that's timely, accurate, and helpful. And uh, I think by doing that, it's not uh, cutting edge, but it's, uh, I've got to tell you, it makes a huge difference in building community. So do our council members and you and other staff, uh, what I really like about this discussion is that you've elevated the discussion to a, a higher starting point of relationships because it's easy for the council to have a piece of legislation in front of them and it's got 50 conditions and 25 pages and paragraphs and details and it's easy to get caught up in the details of all these things without getting the forest, without getting the notion of what the mission is <coughs> and what's trying to be accomplished in ethics. So do, are you spending time at, at that level of discussion? Oh, absolutely. On a daily basis, I, Petalum is very fortunate. We've got seven council members. Um, it's a very thankless and difficult job. Um, they are dealing with some very complex policy issues, and yet every day I see them out. They are they are our best spokespeople. Um, you know, uh, they they're out there twenty four seven. Um, listening to people, talking to people, sharing with staff what they hear, um, and helping us also anticipate, um, because that's what that's what good government should be doing, is anticipating the needs of, of your community. And so council is, yes, they're faced with very, um, you know, complex uh, issues and policies, but yet they um, also are able to transcend that and apply what they are learning and ground-truthing 
um, uh, with our community, and they're applying those um, that knowledge to their decisions um, every Monday. <laughs> of course, every Monday. Of yeah. So, in a city manager system that we have government, what's the power relationships with the Good city question. council? Because uh, there are different formats. This is a council, city. right? Right. This is a council manager form of government, and right. so. Um, the city manager is the administrator of the city. Um, you make the hiring and firing decisions. You know, you kind of say, I liken it to um, kind of being the coach and picking, you know, the players that are out there and, and doing the work and, and figuring out how to do the work. And council sets the policy on, on what work we're going to be doing. Um, so if, you know, they're approving a um, affordable housing um, policy, whereas it affects how um, development and how our entitlement process works, then we apply that. So um, we work, you know, good city managers work really closely with your city council because you have seven different individuals with um, seven, they have a lot of things in common, but they also have very different expertise and experiences and uh some are newer on the council, and some have been on there for um, quite some time. So they all bring different perspectives, and uh, it's really important because they're representing they're representing our 62,000 residents out yeah, there. Right. So what are some alternative models that, aside from the city manager council, just to compare? Right. So, um, you know, strong mayor form of government. You know, you've got your Libby Shafts and your, you know, so Oakland, some of the larger cities. San Francisco is its own animal, so I okay. won't even speak to that. That county and the city are just one amalgamation right. of government. Um, but um, the most typical in California is the um, council manager form of government where, right. you know, the council... Um, we have actually a directly elected mayor. However, our mayor has the same um, powers as all the other council members and vice versa. Um, in some cities, you have a strong mayor form of government, and the mayor mayor calls the shots. Mm -hmm. yep. Okay, so it's, uh, it's a little different. So, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if sometimes people think that uh, the city manager's in charge. <laughs> some people think they... No, um, there's never one person right, in charge, let me tell you. And that's a good charge, thing in right. a democracy. And that is a good thing uh, in a democracy. A little checks and balances Absolutely. will be good. So, um, And actually, just to follow up, sure. I would say the 60-plus thousand residents, those are the folks that um, are, are the true bosses, and those are the folks that are in charge. So we, oh, we always right. remember that. We right. always so, remember right. that. Well, that is true in a democracy. Absolutely. That is true in a democracy. So, any uh, upcoming projects that you would like the community to know about specifically? We do. Uh, we had, I mentioned earlier, we had our goal setting session, um, and we have sent back out um, the next draft for folks to look at. So, uh, if they go either to our website, which is um, cityofpetaluma.org, thank uh -huh. you. I, I think there is also a .net, but we have a .org. Um, and then also you can go to petalumastar.com slash goals um, to fill out the survey and look at our next reiteration of goals. That will be going back to council on July 1, so we're hoping folks will fill that out um, by um, mid-June and give us their feedback, tell us uh, what they like, what we missed. Um, it's a two-year um, uh, goal-setting process, so... We might not be able to get to everything, but we definitely want to have some reach goals. 
Um, and so that will be coming to council July 1st. And then July 29th, we'll have our housing workshop. And we're real excited because we're going to do a deep dive on housing and uh, have that community character conversation. That's an important piece. The housing is certainly constantly on, on everybody's agenda. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you, Peggy Finn, for being with us on uh, this Thursday morning and giving our community an opportunity to meet you and learn about the work of the city manager and uh, the complex nature of running a city for almost 70,000 people here. And uh, we look forward to your week's numbering and potholes <laughs> being filled <laughs> at least one a week. Yes. Not now that the rains <laughs> we think might be over, I, the, uh, folks will see those filled a lot quicker. Yeah. But Rabbi Ted, thank you so very much for this opportunity. And uh, big thanks, a shout out to our Peloum community who's out there every day uh, making our city better. And thank you listeners for joining me talking with Rabbi Ted on this Thursday morning. You are listening to KPCALP, Petaluma, California. Have a pleasant day. Thank you.